I want to welcome you to 40 Days of Prayer. Uh, this class is part of the Equip classes. And the lesson that we're coming from, uh, the, the lesson that we're teaching here really comes from a, a course that uh, was taught out at Saddleback. If you remember 40 Days of Purpose, they do a lot of these things. And a lot of the stuff that we're sharing and the book that we're sharing comes from there. Uh, this, uh, this is all about spiritual growth. And in fact, everything that we do in Equip is about spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is intensely important to us. And I'm going to tell you why. Because most of the problems in our life come from spiritual immaturity. When we're not spiritually mature, uh, we do dumb things. When we're mature, uh, we, when we're immature, we build our decisions based on how we feel. And that's a, that's a terrible basis for making decisions. Uh, we, we, we make our decisions based on what we know and what our experience is. Those are terrible reasons for making decisions. I've, I've had people say, well, I just felt like doing it. Well, you, your feelings are just wrong sometimes. We're, we're manipulated by our moods and by our experiences and, you know, by our flesh. We're manipulated by all these things. Mature people... Make decisions based on truth, on understanding things. Listen, if you're dealing with a, a baby, you don't want to deal with that baby out of your feelings at the moment by how the, you want to deal with that baby out of some maturity. And you can scream and yell at that baby. I've, I've, I've actually seen people screaming and yelling at babies. And I've stood there and just looked at them and go, what do you think you're doing? It's not, it's not going to get better. It's not going to help anything. Mature people make, uh, make mature decisions. So many of the problems in our world today, so many things that we're facing, so many things going on in government today are happening because of immaturity. They're happening because of selfishness. People trying to get what they want for themselves. They don't know how to do what's wise and, wise and, uh, and they don't know how to be mature. The Bible tells us that growth is God's will for our life. Do you get that? If a child doesn't grow up, when a child's five and he does certain things, he's cute. When he's 15 and he's doing the same things, we say, that kid needs to grow up. He needs to mature. It's not cute. That, that becomes tragic. It's impossible to, it's possible to grow old and not grow up. You know as well as I do. I know, I know some people who are pretty old who are spiritually and emotionally immature. They never grew up. They grew old without growing up. God wants us to be spiritually strong. He wants us to be men and women of God, and he wants us to be mature. That's what equipped is all about, is helping us grow up, growing in God's will, understanding God's will, so we will do the right thing. Ephesians chapter 4 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and shepherds, and teachers to equip the, the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Father, we look to your word tonight to help us grow up to move us in spiritual growth and to move us towards mystery so that the deceitful schemes of the enemy will not impact us. Uh, Father, so that we won't be carried away by every wind of doctrine, that the cunning, wicked people that promote evil in our generation will not impact our life, uh, so that, Father, we'll no longer be children. Help us in this room to take steps towards maturity in Jesus' name. 
Amen. If you look at Jesus, Jesus is the ultimate picture of spiritual, emotional, and intellectual maturity. To have the thoughts of Christ and to know how to respond like he did will make your life a whole lot better. Now, there are six pillars of spiritual growth that you need to build your life around. These are laws of spiritual growth that you cannot violate. God is the God of order. He makes things based on principle. He designed the universe based on principles of physics. The physical laws like gravity and, and, and a lot of other laws are what guide the universe and make the universe actually work. And just as there are physical laws that God invented for the universe, there are spiritual laws that God invented for your life. You get that? And if you want to grow, you've got to cooperate with them. If I don't want to get, you know, banged up, I, gotta, I have to stay off of skateboards. Because <laughs> the physical law of gravity is going to go to work on me pretty quick if I'm on a skateboard. Are you hearing me today? I've got to understand what my strengths and weaknesses are here. So as we go through this, we're going to, we're going to talk tonight about some of these, these laws, and then we're going to come back around and begin to kick off this concept of, of how prayer works in our life. So here's the number one law for spiritual growth. We grow when we feed on God's Word. The Bible is your soul food. Now, you know that you can't be physically healthy if you eat junk food all the time, right? I hope we all know that. I like junk food, don't you? Can't eat it all the time. You can't be spiritually healthy unless you feed on the truth. You've got to feed on the Word of God. Now, what kind of health would you have if every Sunday you ate this giant Sunday brunch buffet and just gorged yourself with all the food and then the rest of the week you ate nothing. Would, you be very, would that be a good way of living life? It, it would probably harm your, your life. It harms your health if, you get, if all you get, uh, get of spiritual truth is what you get on Sunday. It's not enough. You've got to learn to eat a little bit every day. You've got to feed your soul. Not just you know, once a week going to church. You've got to feed your soul a little bit every day or you're going to be a spiritual wimp. You're not going to have the strength you need in order to do what God wants you to do. Listen to what Jesus says in the middle of the temptation when he's being tempted in Matthew chapter 4. He answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We live, we thrive, our spirits thrive as we partake of the word of God. That's what God wants us to do is to feed a little bit every day. And so here's one of the, the habits I want to challenge you in if you're not doing this. You need to take five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day. You need to set a time in your mind uh, tonight and say, I'm going to take the next 40 days. If you've been doing five minutes, up it to 10 minutes. You've been doing 10 minutes, up it to 15 minutes. I'm going to take some time every day to get alone with God. And I'm going to do certain things in that time alone with God. Acts chapter 20 says this, And now I commend you to, commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. What's going to build you up? As I say, the word of grace, the word of his grace. What is the word of his grace? It's the Bible, friends. It's what we've been given. So here's the question. Would you like to have all the inheritance God has for you? Would you like that? I, I know I would. And as a pastor, I, I want you to have all those blessings. That's why we have equipped. That's why we encourage you to read the word. It's why we do classes like this. How do we get all of the, the blessings? It says right here. The word of grace will build you up. It'll build your children up. 
When you get mature, then God will give you all the blessings he has for you. These are, these are some of the gifts that God's going to give you. Now listen, you, you can't give a baby every kind of gift. There are some gifts that if you give a baby, they'll hurt themselves. You don't give babies pocket knives. Am I right? I don't even give little kids pocket knives. As you get older, a pocket knife may become useful. But when you're young and you're immature, it can become harmful. In the same way with the gifts of God. There are some gifts God wants to give you, but he's waiting for you to grow up so you can mature and do, do with them what you want. So how do, we, how do we feed on God's Word? So just think about it like this. There are six ways to feed on God's Word. Uh, one uh, is you hear it. You hear it. That's the pinky finger. Uh, then you, you read it. That's the ring finger. Uh, you study it. That's the middle finger. You, you memorize it, you meditate on it, which means to seriously think about it, and then the palm is you apply it. You do what it says. If you, if you do those, you will grow. You will grow. Now, if the only spiritual input you get is hearing the Word of God on Sunday morning, that's the only time that you feed on the Word, Maybe you listen to something on the radio or a podcast or something like that. Then how strong is your grip? Is your grip very strong? No, the enemy can rip the word out, out from you very, very easily. He can steal your joy. He can steal your promises. He can steal it from you because you don't have a grip on the word of God. Why? Because we forget, now this, this is what, we forget 95% of everything we hear within 72 hours is what they tell us. Think about that. If all you do is hear something, you forget 95% of it in 72 hours. As a pastor and a teacher, that is very depressing. By Wednesday, you'll have typically forgotten almost everything I said on Sunday unless you've written it down. That's why we give you notes. Because just writing it down, just looking at it on paper, is another way that helps you get it. Remember, the shortest pencil's longer than the longest memory. If you write it down, it sticks a little better. If you hear the Word of God and then you read it a little bit every day, you're going to have a better grip. And so for the next 40 days, as we're going into this teaching about specifically about prayer, we want to encourage you to be growing in the Word and in your prayer time, meditating on the Word and growing in the Word. So here's the first action step we're going to do for 40 days, a daily time with God for 40 days. Pick a time. Pick a time. You know, sometime in the day, whether if it's the best for you in the morning, get up early, a little five minutes earlier. If you're good, better in the afternoon, uh, find some five minutes in the afternoon, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, some time in the afternoon. It's going to make you healthier. So you've got to take the time to be in the Word. Now, here's the second law of spiritual growth. We grow when we learn in different ways. We grow as we experience this in different. Let me explain this to you. Uh, first of all, God made all of us different. We're unique. Nobody's exactly alike. Uh, there's, a, there's a uniqueness to us. But we all have this tendency of having a learning style and that's why during this campaign, I want to encourage you to look at the various ways that we learn. Some of you are what we would call auditory learners. You learn by listening. You sit here, you learn, you hear it, you get it. You can say, I got it. All you had to do is tell me. You learn through your ear. That's one of the reasons why you love coming to classes and coming to churches is you hear it and you get it. 
Some people, you know, it's a little harder for them, a little, little tougher. Why? Because, uh, because that, the primary way you learn at church is through hearing. Uh, you have to, so in that moment, you have to sit still and, and let the teacher speak to you. So everything you're hearing right now is going through what we call this ear gate. If you learn it that way, well, that's good. The problem is we have a tendency to forget it unless we write it down. But there's some people that, that boy, just sitting here, this is hard. This is hard. Uh, my wife, if she sits down, you know, she, I don't even like to take her to, to movies because it's a waste of money. She sits down and she goes to sleep. I'm like, well, you could have taken a nap at home. Could have done that at here. There's some people that, that they're more of a visual learner. And, and it's, they, don't, they don't learn as much through the ear gate as they do through the eye gate. And they do that by visual. That's why, again, writing the note down and seeing it really helps embed it to, to folks like that. Uh, some people are actually oral learners. They learn, they learn by talking about it. They, they get in a conversation about it, and it kind of stirs what they've heard. It stirs what they've read, and it stirs us to, uh, to, 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 to get. That's why small groups are so good, is we get in that small group, and we get, begin to talk about it, and begin to talk about how it applies to our life, and it helps us to learn it. All of us learn somewhat from all of these ways. All of us probably have a dominant way, but we can learn in all of these ways. All these ways help us to learn, and, and we want to encourage you to take advantage of that. You can't sit here in the middle of this crowd tonight or Sunday morning and, and talk it out, but if you get in a small group, you can talk it out. Say, oh, let's talk about what this means. Let's talk about what it means to our life. So it's important for you to talk about what you believe because that actually helps you to form what you believe. Does that make sense to you? Others learn by doing stuff. They learn by, you know, actually doing. And uh, that's an important part of this process as well. Nobody learns to play golf by listening to a lecture. If you've ever played golf, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Nobody can sit and just tell you. They can sit and tell you all the right things to do. But until you start swinging that club, you're not going to get, you're going to learn a lot of things at that point in time. So what we're going to do during the next 40 days is we're going to teach you one main truth about prayer. And we're going to teach it here through the year. If you have the manual or if you get notes, you can take it home and you can read it and learn it through reading it. You're going to learn it through the eye. I want to encourage you to get a partner, a friend, look around tonight, see who's here. And I want to encourage you afterwards tonight or uh, sometime during the week to get with that person and talk about it because talking about it is going to help you. You're going to be doing daily, uh, reading a daily devotional, which is going to help you apply it to your life, especially if you got the book. You're going to be reading that devotional. If you didn't get the book, then take, go right back through these notes and read all the scriptures that we're going to have in these notes. Hear me. If you want to grow, you've got to put in the time. You've got to put in the time. Uh, you know, you, you just gotta, you got to put the effort in. You, you don't become good at these things and begin to develop in them if you're, if you're lax with them. So here's the third law of, of spiritual growth. We grow when we develop spiritual habits. I, I can't, I can't est, overestimate the importance of building good spiritual habits in your life. If you build good habits in your life, uh, it's going to impact your life in very, very positive, positive ways. Listen to what it says in John 13. If you know, the, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you do them. You know, if you, you've got to begin to develop the habits You've got to take the time. That's why we're saying over the next 40 days, just make a pledge to yourself. Get an accountability partner that's going to check with you every week and say, how are you doing with getting along with God and praying and reading his word? Now, some of you have been doing this already for years. 
But this is going to help everybody as we do this. You don't get God's blessing for knowing the right thing to do. You get God's blessing for doing the right thing. Is that, is that, that's really good, isn't it? For practicing the right thing and for making it a habit in your life, you build yourself. That way you build a habit in your life and, and you grow. And there's two ways that you do that. You do that through repetition and you do that through practice. Study after study shows us it takes about six weeks for you to develop a new habit. Six weeks. As we go through this problem, that's what we're with this program, that's what we've got. We've got these six weeks. And every week we're going to be challenging you and encouraging you. Develop this habit of prayer. Develop this habit of reading the Word. This is why a lot of Christians uh, get sidelined because they, they, they don't do anything. And they get wiped out when the test comes. Nobody gets to be in the Olympics by hoping they'll get there someday. They have to set certain habits, and they, they have to be disciplined in life. You know, I've, I've met a lot of people in my life uh, who are very successful people. I've been around a lot of people in my life who are unsuccessful people. Uh, this is, the, the difference is really pretty simple. It's not where they were born or raised. I've seen people who were born into homes where they, you'd have thought they're going to be They've got the foundation to be successful all their life, and they go out and really mess up. And I've seen other people, you look at them and go, boy, they don't have much of a leg to stand on. They don't have, didn't have much of a, but they, they became very successful. The difference between successful and unsuccessful people is simply this. Successful people put the time and the energy in to develop habits and disciplines that unsuccessful people are unwilling to do. They discipline their, their life. They discipline their attitude. They discipline the way they talk to people. They discipline the way they work. They discipline how, how, how they approach excellence in the job. They bring about these things. Some people are simply not willing to pay that price. I see that in Christians. People who say, I, I want to be a person of God. And some are willing to be disciplined and let the Word of God challenge them let, the, let their prayer time drive them into a relationship with God. And I see others who simply aren't willing to get those things in their life, and they wonder why they stumble. Successful people are just normal people who decide to develop good habits that take them, you know, through the rest of their life. Because you determine, your, your, your habits determine who you are. 1 Corinthians 9.25. All good athletes train hard and practice to get better. They do it to win a prize that won't last. But we practice to win a prize that will last forever. Did you hear that? Paul, Paul saying to us, listen, learn this lesson from athletes that are really good. They work hard to get good. You want to be good at, at being a person of faith? Practice. Put the effort in. Go after it, because we have a prize that will last forever. In eternity, the habits you build in your spiritual life are going to pay off forever and ever and ever. Now, there are a lot of habits we could teach you, and during the next 40 days of prayer, we're going to focus on these four that are, that are on your outline. The first habit is, is, is a weekly large group worship. Here's the first habit. Being in a large group and worshiping God. Learning. That's being here tonight. That's coming on Sunday morning. You come, and you come with an attitude of, I want to learn. You come with an attitude of, I want to grow. You come with an attitude of, I want to worship God. You just develop that as a habit. This is why you hear me say all the time, listen, don't take vacation from church. If you're traveling, if you're out someplace, go to church. Find a church. Find some place to go. I like to, when I go into a city I, I, I'll, I'll, that Renee and I are going to be in for a while, I'll, I'll ask people at different restaurants or different places, uh, is there a good church in town? 
And, and sometimes, yeah, hey, my church is pretty good. I actually had one person say to me once, well, I go to this church, but the really good church in town is this one over here. <laughs> I thought, boy, I bet her pastor's thrilled with that. You know, once, if you get around and you start hearing one two or three times, that's the one I want to go to that Sunday. I, I want to go see what they're doing. So this first habit is just recognize that God feeds you when you hear the Word of God. I, I love to go into a, a church and, and really, be fed, really be fed. Renee and I were, you may have heard me talk a couple years ago, we were on vacation and we'd heard about church and we went to it. And it was okay. There was nothing wrong with it. It was, it was fine. Yeah, the guy had a good word. The service was good. And, uh, and we left and we were like, yeah, that was, that was good. We'd heard about this church. That was good. And we're driving down the street and there's this other church. And I mean, there's just people everywhere going into this church. I'm, the parking lot's full and people are coming and going. And uh, I looked at Renee and said, they, they, got, they look like they got something going on over there. She says, yeah. I said, do you want to go to church? She says, yeah. Why? Because we, we, just, we just wanted to go. We, we thought we would just slip in and kind of look around and see what they were doing. We weren't there about five minutes. We were sitting in the back, and we were just soaking up the service, and, and it, was just, it, was just, it was just food to us. You know, I want to encourage you. Be, be faithful to the local group. Uh, second, the habit of small group fellowship is important. Being in that place... Our small groups are about practically living out the faith and about applying the Word practically to our lives. That's what we really want to have happen in there. We want, we want people to pray together, to practically apply life together, and to grow together. And if you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you to get in one uh, you say, well, none of me the time that I want to meet, then okay, talk to us. We'll help you start one. And listen, these groups don't have to be huge. In fact, I would tell you, it's better if the groups have 10 or less people in them. So if you're in a group right now and there's, you know, 12, 10, there's more than 10 people in it, you should be looking at the leader or the leader should be looking at you guys saying, you know what, we really need to break this up and, and have two groups. Why? Because, listen to me, hear me, a lot of people stop talking when we hit that 10 number. There's something about that number that some people, they don't have to talk anymore. If you're in a group where there's six of you or eight of you, guess what? Everybody's got to talk. And that talking helps us work through our faith. And so I want to encourage, uh, the goal of our groups is not to get a bunch of people, get you know, 10, 20 people together and hold on for dear life until Jesus comes. The goal of our groups is to get people growing together and new leaders to come up so, the, so we, we're welcoming new people in. And at the right time, we break into two groups, and there's two groups that are living and, and alive and are growing. We, we and say, oh, but I love these people so much. You'll see them at the big meeting. You'll see them at church on Sunday. You can still go out to eat with them. You can still hang out with them. You can still do stuff with them. It's just... We need to be growing in this, and new leaders need to be coming up. Why? So that we can welcome new people in, so that new people can grow with us. It's, it's really a simple concept. So then, then there's this third thing, the, the habit of a daily time alone with God, where you pray a little bit, you talk to God, you read the Bible, and you let him talk to you. So notice this. It's large group, small group, and personal time with God. That's three different kinds of habits. And then the final habit is to begin to memorize God's Word. These four will change your life more than anything else you can do. And the scriptures I, want to, the scriptures I like to memorize are the ones that really bring life and health and strength to me. Now, these first two, large group worship and small group fellowship, this comes right out of the Word of God, friend. Acts chapter 2 says, When the church is forming, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number 
day by day, those who are being saved. Wow. If, this, if, if there's a verse that every pastor that I know wants to see come alive in their church, it, it's this one. It's where the people of the church become so healthy, so mature, so wise in the way they act because they're growing, that people who are outside the church look at them and go, Wow, that guy, that guy you know, he, he's, he doesn't get as stressed out as the rest of us get. That gal, you know, she, she seems to have good answers for things. Now, that person, you know, they got the same problems that, that all of us have, but they seem to handle them a little bit better. What are they saying? That person's got some maturity. That person's got some help. They're not blown around by everything that happens. They're not emotionally up and down and manipulated by their moods. They're not coming to work one day happy and one day all angry and upset. They're, 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 they're walking maturely through life. They're walking in a healthy way through life. They're not driven by their feelings. They're not driven by circumstances. And what that leads people to do when they get around, it's a natural thing when you're around somebody who, who through a course of time demonstrates health and maturity that when you're not feeling very health and healthy and your need, it's kind of natural to go, go think, what would they do? Go ask them, what would they do? But we don't get a lot of that you know, in, in our world because we're all so unhealthy that you know, that's one of the complimentary things the world does when they say, hey, would you pray for me? I understand you pray. Would you pray for me? But we have to live this life of maturity. And then the, what happens? You know, when you invite them to church, they want to come check out the church. And the church grows, and your neighbors come to know the Lord, and they accept Christ because they see the difference in your life. Listen, you're not supposed to be fighting with your neighbors. You're supposed to be a bright, shining light to your neighbors. Amen? Supposed to be building relationships with them and, 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 and to be strong. Uh, that's my prayer for our church is that we would do that. To be a strong believer, you, you need both the weekend worship time and you need the small group time. You need both. They're both important for your spiritual growth. Then the other two habits are, you know, daily time alone with God when you read your Bible a little bit and you pray and the habit of memorizing uh, the word. So, let me ask you a question. How many at the end of your life uh, would like for your family, the people that know you, people you've been a witness to, to look at you, to look at you when they walk by the day they're saying goodbye to you and look and say, now that, uh, she was successful. How many, how many, how many women would like that? How many of you guys would like for your family to say, that? he was successful. So, so the rest of you, I'm assuming you'd like for your family to walk by and say, he was a total failure. <laughs> I, I want to be successful. I don't want to be a failure. Do you want, I don't want to be a failure. I certainly want, want you to be a success as, as your pastor. I want you to succeed. And it's my job to help you succeed in every area of your life, in your finances, in your relationships, and your marriage, and your career, and your health, everything. For, to, be very, to, be, to be successful in every area. Is that all right? Is that, can the church help you do that? In the Bible, there's only one place in the Bible where God promises and guarantees success. Would you be interested in that verse? We read it Sunday, Joshua chapter 1. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. What a great promise. Here's what God says is the key to prosperity and success in life. He's talking about the Bible. 
You need to remember it, read it, and think about it. That's the hand. We, we've got to, got to remember it. We've got to read it. We've got to reflect on it. We've got to hear it. We've got to talk about it. We need to memorize it. We need to study it. We need to apply it to our lives. And he says when we do that, that's going to make us successful. Do you think God's lying? No, God's not lying. you think he's just teasing us? Do you think he's just making this up? No. He says you want to be prosperous, you want to be successful, then you've got to take my word and know it and apply it to your life. And it, you'll, make a, you'll make a lot fewer mistakes if you read it and study it and you memorize it. And he says, I promise you, you will succeed in your life. You want, to be a, you want to succeed in all the areas of your life? You need to read the Word, reflect on it, and remember it. You need to do all the habits that we've just talked about. And this will start helping you be successful as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, in relationships, as you begin to work out the things of our life and let the Word of God shape the way we think and shape the way we talk, shape the way we react, teach us how to feel, teach us what's right and wrong. We let the Word of God teach us. Now, we're going to very quickly go through the last three of these spiritual growth areas. Uh, So here's number four. Uh, We've talked about this a little bit already. We grow when we help each other grow. This is small groups. The more you involve other people who are going to who, who are strong in the Lord in your life, the more we grow together. It's relational. Spiritual growth is re- relational. We're better together. We're better together. Romans 1.11 says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. We're meant to encourage each other in faith. If you want to grow, you have to have other people in your life that are wanting you to grow too and are, that you're letting them speak into your life and you're speaking into their life. That's the way God wired us. It's the way he made us. There are 56, listen to this, there are 56 one another's in the Bible. 56 commands you cannot obey unless you're connected with a group of people. Love one another. I'm not going to do all of them. I'll give you a few. Love one another, care for one another, help one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. You, you can't do that in a crowd. Serve one another, share with one another, build each other up. But we, we've got to be there for each other. 56 times, God says, the only way you grow is in community. And community, the type of community he's talking about, isn't just showing up on Sunday or Wednesday night. It's being in a relationship where we grow. The Bible says the hand can't be the foot, can't say, I don't need you. The ear can't say, the eye, I don't need you. And the body of Christ, one part can't say, I don't need you. A hand severed from the body of Christ is worthless. It can't do anything. An eye severed from the body of Christ can't see. The ear severed from the body of Christ can't hear. You have to be connected in order to grow. Now listen, the sin nature doesn't like that. The sin nature is selfish. And there's a nature, uh, you know, I don't want to get, you know, whenever you generalize too much, it's, 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 it's just that too much. But there's a lot of guys who just, they'd just rather be alone. And guys, I'm telling you, you've got to fight that. You've got to recognize that's an enemy. That's the enemy trying to keep you stagnant. This is just the opposite of every other faith. Every other faith says the holiest, most righteous, most pure person is the person who isolates himself from dirty, rotten humanity. Goes out and lives in a cave on a high mountain someplace, and they become some sort of guru or something, and they stay away from all the people who are evil and wicked and mean. Then, then you can really be holy. Jesus goes, no, 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 that's wrong. I made you to be with people. I made you to be with people. Jesus wasn't out hiding in some cave. He's out in the marketplace all the time. He's going to parties. He's going to weddings. He's a wedding crasher. 
most of, you, most of what you see Jesus doing is hanging out with people. In fact, the, the, the religious people hated the fact that Jesus hung out with people having a good time. They called him a drunk and an overeater. They drinks too much and he eats too much. That's what they said about Jesus. He was a, they said, he's, you know, he's a party animal. But why was he like, like that? Because he wanted, to be, he, he wanted to be with people. And he wants us to learn to be with people. Why is being in a small group so important? Being with other people is important to your spiritual growth. Why? Because the number one thing God wants you to learn in all your life, the most important thing God wants you to learn, is how to love other people. And you can't do that alone. How to love God and how to love other people. You can't learn to love other people. You can't learn to, you can't learn to love in a cave. That's the very reason you don't want to be in a small group is the very reason you need to be in a small group is because you'll learn to love. It'll shape, shape you up. Now, there might be some people who, who disagree and there might be some people who are irritable. Uh, yeah, um, that's true. You'll run into some people who are disagreeable. You'll run into people who are irritable. And when they're looking back at you, they're thinking the very same thing. You need people in your life who sometimes think differently than you, that challenge your self-centeredness, that teach you to be giving and to think of other people. Listen, the most selfish person on the earth. You know who the most selfish people on the earth are? Anybody want to guess? Babies. Babies are the most selfish, selfish people on the earth. It's all about them. If they don't get their way, what are they doing? They're crying. And we want them to grow up. And, we, and, and yet when we stay like this, we stay babies. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Let's consider how we do this. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So here's an action step. You want to grow? Get in a small group of people who are wanting to grow. This isn't just hanging out with your buddies. This is intentionally getting with people for the purpose of being formed into the image of Christ. That's what happens in our C2 groups. That's what you can do in your life. You get in a small group, you begin to grow. You say, well, I'm just not willing to pay that price. Then you're willing to stay immature. You're willing to stay as a baby. This is how God, listen, these, these aren't God's suggestions. This is what he teaches us is that, you know, this, the second great commandment is that we love one another. And you can't do that alone. It helps us. It helps us. So, uh, let's look at number five. We grow when we expect to grow. We grow when we expect to grow. This is, this is the faith factor in this. Matthew 9, 29 says, according to your faith it will be done to you. When you sit here today and you say, you know what? This year, I'm going to grow. I'm going I'm to get up on Sunday morning. I'm going to come to the church. I'm going to worship God because he's worthy. I'm going to listen to the word with the intent of what it says to me. I'm going to get in these classes. I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to see what God's saying to me. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to get with some friends, and I'm going to grow. Do you realize that God blesses your life according to your faith? Whatever you believe him for, he says that's what he's going to bless you with. You realize that God says you get to choose how much he's going to bless your life. You get to choose how much he's going to use your life. You get to choose how much your life succeeds. According to your faith, it will be done to you. The question I ask is if you haven't thought about it until now, is what, you're, is, is, is what are you going to expect to happen in your life just in these next 40 days? If you expect nothing, if you apply nothing, if you're, if you're hoping that we wave some wand over your head and all of a sudden you're a more spiritual person and you get the inheritance of the blessing of God, you're going to get nothing. 
But if you do what God tells you to do, if you'll pray, if you'll take this time alone with God, if you'll come in hungry, you are going to grow. Now, here's number six. We grow when we commit to grow, when we choose to grow, when we intend to grow. Growth is a choice. Spiritual growth is not automatic. As I said, you can grow older without growing up. Growth is not automatic. It is a choice. You must choose to grow. You must choose to do the habits. You must choose to make the effort. You, you must make a choice. So now, let me ask you a very personal question. A year from today, how different do you intend to be? Do you intend to be stronger? Or do you intend to still be right where you're at or stuck with the same problems? Having the same relational problems, having the same, you know, spiritual problems in your life. If you want to be more mature or you want to be, you know, want to still be the way you are right now, listen, it's your choice. God says you can be successful. And he's shown us how. A year from today... Some of you are going to be much better people, much stronger people, more mature people. People around you are going to see the difference. People around you are going to be experiencing the difference. They're going to see the glory of God walking in your life. They're going to see you being, you're going to approach life differently. You're going to approach problems differently. You're going to approach all these things differently. Why? Because you've matured and you've grown. Because you took intentional steps to grow in your relationship with God, to learn what prayer is all about, to learn more about the Word, and you're going to grow and others are going to be stuck in the mud and they're going to sit there and they're going to say a year from now well, maybe I need to look for another church I'm not spiritually growing here nobody's feeding me here I need to go someplace else why because they don't want to put themselves in a place where they're going to grow so they'll wander off someplace else and you know the the the, the message there will be fresh for them for a little but they're, they're not going to change anything. it's just another fresh place for them to be for a little while and before long they'll muddy up that water and they'll say I'm not getting fed here and they'll wander off someplace else. Because see, all, all we can do is tell you the truth. You've got to choose to apply it. And if you choose to apply it, listen, this is the fantastic news. If you choose to apply it, you're going to grow. You're going to grow. Nobody can stop you from doing that. If you're willing to pay the price, the bottom line is you're as close to God as you choose to be. It's your choice. If you feel far from God, listen, God didn't move. Remember a guy talking once about they're driving down, the, down the, the street in his car. They've been married about 30 years. His wife's sitting there, and she looks at him. And she says, you know, I remember when we were dating, and, I, you know, we sat all snuggled up to each other here in the car. The guy looked at him and said, I didn't go anyplace. I'm... I'm still sitting right here behind the, behind the wheel. I didn't move. Listen, God doesn't move, move away from us. We either move closer to him or we move away from him. So the choice is, the choice, he gives us the choice. His arms are open to us. He wants us to grow. So uh, here, here's a couple of things. I would challenge you tonight. We're going to come down around this altar in a minute and pray. Look around, see if you see a friend. Um, I, I would tell you, a husband or wife is, is fine, but it's better if it's a friend. Why? Because we can tell our husband or wife, leave me alone. I've heard enough of that. We can be in a bad mood, and they may be, you know, if, if you're in a bad mood, they can be afraid to say, hey, what's the deal? You know, they don't want to get in a big argument. A friend will look, can look at you and go, what, what's, what's, what's eating on you today? Are you walking in maturity? So I would encourage you, get, get with a friend. Make a covenant with each other that you're going to grow over these next 40 days. And when we're inside of this covenant and you're inside of that kind of community and you know somebody's going to be asking you, this is true if you're on a diet, it's true if you're trying to give up smoking. It's true if you're studying. It's true in our, if we're in a relationship with somebody who's t 
talking to us and encouraging us, we have a, a stronger ability to stick with it. The epitome of immaturity is the guy who won't commit to anything. And it's the sphere of commitment that's the ultimate example of immaturity. And in community, we make commitment. The only way you, you grow is by making a commitment and growing into it. You say, well, I don't think, I, don't think I, I know what to do. Of course you don't know what to do. You're going to learn. I'm telling you, I've been looking through this book, and some of you bought it. That, that book's going to help you if, you'll, if you'll go through that book every day. It's going to give you things to pray about. It's going to give you things to meditate about. It's going to give you things to write down. It's going to help you grow. If you didn't get the book, you can't afford, maybe you couldn't afford it, but you got the notes. You can take the notes, go through these things. Say, okay, am I doing these things? Am I connect? God, help me to see who should be in my, I should be in a relationship. God, I'm going to make a commitment to be in your house. God, I'm going to read your word. As your pastor, somebody who loves you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to call you to grow. And, and so here's the first thing. Make a partnership covenant with somebody and then take time with God every day. Now, for those of you who have the book, I'm, going to, I'm just going to very quickly go through. The, the, there's four answers in the book that you need to have. Prayer is an act of dedication. You dedicate yourself to it. You trust God in it. You become connected to God. You understand this is a place of feeding. Now, as you read, that, read through that, it's going to give you scriptures to read to help you capture that. And for those of you who don't have it, we put some of these scriptures right on the notes. Prayer is an act of communication. I, I've always found it fascinating that God knows everything, and yet he expects us to ask for things. God knows everything, and he expects us to come to him. Sometimes he wants to come to because he wants to communicate with us. But we're called to communicate. It's an act of, it's a, that's a part of our faith walk. Prayer is an act of supplication where we come and bring our needs and our requests and our desires to God. And prayer is an act of cooperation. Cooperating with the Spirit of God and inviting God to do in our life what he wants to do in our life. Opening our life to him. In the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about, next week we'll talk about very specifically, the next, next several weeks are all about prayer. So tonight we've talked about these spiritual laws. Next week we're going to talk about how to pray with confidence. The, the next two weeks we're going to talk about some patterns of prayer. Then we're going to talk about praying for a breakthrough. And we're going to wrap this up with how to pray with a couple on how to pray in crisis and why doesn't God always answer the first time. At the end of these 40 days, if you'll be praying, if you'll be letting yourself be sharpened by the Word, you're going to see spiritual growth in your life. Not because I'm making you grow, because you're choosing to grow. You're choosing to grow. And as you read the Word, as you meditate on it, as you think about it, you're going to grow. Amen? Are you ready to grow? I want to grow, don't you? Amen. Let's stand together. Let's come down around the altar. You know, we talked about this Sunday. Uh, and this, will, this, this, this is kind of recurs throughout some of this teaching that's going to happen. When the, when, when the children of Israel got whipped at eye, you know, our tendency when something goes bad, our natural tendency is to go, well, that's because of that person or this person or this thing happened or that thing, and we blame everybody else. Jacob, or J Joseph, excuse me, was smart, smart. Joshua, I'll get the right name here in a minute. Joshua was smart enough that when they came, he fell on his face before God, and he just waited on God. This is all, what was he looking for? What have we, God, I know what your intentions for us are, and your intentions are not for us to get whipped. I know you're great enough 
I know you're great enough to beat whatever I face. And we just faced something we should have won in and we got whipped. And he looked for why would God do that? And he found that the issue was in the camp. That's always, this is a mistake a lot of people make. We, we look the wrong place. And so I would challenge you today, if you're thinking about spiritual growth and you want to be a person who has spiritual blessing upon your life, you want to be a person who has spiritual influence in the lives of the people that you love and that you care about, you want to be a person who grows, who's, who's really growing, and you want to be a person that that can have influence in the world that we live in and be a, a shining star, then you, you've got to be growing. You've got to get out of the old habits into new habits. And that happens from the Word of God. I've got to learn how to treat my neighbor, even when they're annoying. I've got to learn how to go to work every day, even when I don't feel good and, and I feel kind of gripey and, you know, like I want to gripe at everybody and complain. I've got to I've got to learn to say, no, I'm not going to let that rule me. I'm going to let the Spirit of God. I'm going to turn everything. There's times, I'll tell you, when I'm going someplace, I just turn everything on and say, God, I've got to have the right spirit before I get there. I've got to get, God, before I get out of this car, I need to be in the right spirit. I need to let you minister to me. You know, when you're in an argument with your spouse or disagreement with one of your kids, God, I need to learn how to act. I need to learn how to talk. I need to learn how to respond. And, and let me tell you, you come right back to these things we talked about tonight. You keep this page, and you look at it, and you go, okay, am I doing this? Am I spending time alone with God? Am I doing this? Am, am I, you know, worshiping him and hungry for him? Am I doing this? Am I, you know, am I in a small group where people can talk to me and say, maybe that's not the best thing? You know, my wife is so good to me. I'll say, I'm going to go talk to them. I'm going to say, and she'll say, you need to find a better way to say that. And I go, yeah, you're probably right, but I want to say it this way. We've got to learn. We've got to be growers, amen? So, if you can, just join hands with the person next to you, and let's pray. Father, we understand today that we are led by a nature that is separated from you until we invite you into our life. And like we talked Sunday, even when we enter into the promised land, there are still strongholds that need to be defeated. And Lord, we don't, we don't even see them sometimes. We make treaties with them because we haven't inquired of you. We say, yeah, that one's okay. That one can stick around. That one's not a big deal. And it's those that become the thorn in our flesh. Maybe we've given up some big thing and we've defeated some big thing in our life. But there's some other attitude or some other action in life that's keeping us from having the fullness of the promised land. Lord, we don't want to be stuck there. We want to grow. So we come down around this altar tonight and, uh, Lord, my challenge is from your word for everyone in this room to determine that this, these next 40 days, that they'll set time on their calendar to be alone with you. That they'll learn how to pray as they come to these, this class and that they will, uh, Lord, will, will learn how to just open your word and study your word and think about your word. And as we meditate on it, Lord, that you will bring it to life in us so that we will apply it We'll learn to talk a little softer. We'll learn to live by our convictions. We'll learn to be less prideful and more humble, more dependent upon you. That we'll learn to serve others in a wise way. And that, Father, we'll have the fullness of your grace in us. Lord, now I know. I know what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> Some in this room tomorrow, they're going to have somebody come after them tomorrow and have somebody say something to them tomorrow, something's going to happen and we're going to want to fall back into the old nature. Lord, I pray in that moment we'll remember this moment. In that moment, if 
Father, if that happens, when that happens to somebody in this room, in that moment, they'll remember, no, no, I, I don't want to act the old way. What would, what would Jesus have me to do? How would he have me to respond? It would slow our heart rate down, would slow our passion, tamper our passion down. And that, Father, maybe for the first time in our life, in the middle of a tumultuous situation, we will speak words of peace words of wisdom, and that, Lord, we'll begin to turn a corner for the glory of your kingdom. And we'll live by our convictions. We'll lay the, the fact down. But, Lord, that we will, we will do this for the glory of your kingdom. So I pray you'd bless us. And I pray that you just right now across this room, Father, let people uh, feel an attraction to each other that you'd have us to make a covenant with. I'm gonna, you talk to me, and I'm going to talk to you. We're going to see how we're doing. Maybe somebody's already in their small group. Maybe it's just a friend that they know. But, Lord, let us make that covenant commitment with someone tonight or someone this week that will hold us accountable to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I love you.